This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It's college basketball season, which means your favorite women's basketball podcast, Around the Rim, is back. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fantastic producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we're going to jump into a very exciting episode. I think we've been mentioning um, in the intro of every podcast you're hearing right now that these recordings took place during Women's College Basketball National Media Day at ESPN on Bristol campus, um, where Tariq and I actually got to be in the same place, which was nice. Can you imagine? I know. <laughs> Can you believe this? Even though, like, she just does other stuff while I'm talking, so I kept trying to look at her, and she's on her phone and whatever. She doesn't care. Um, so rude. <laughs> but at least we have our, our energy that we can exchange in that space. Uh, so we talked to the top coaches and players in the country and I'm excited about this particular podcast because Gina Oriema came on the show and we didn't really talk a ton about UConn Huskies of this year. I mean, yeah, most people would think we were going to do a college basketball preview, but there was just so much going on on this particular day because the WNBA Players Association uh, was in the process of making their decision about whether or not they were going to opt out of the collective bargaining agreement, which they ultimately did. So I was able to get Gino's thoughts on it, and he had some very interesting thoughts on the WNBA, on this conversation about equal pay. Well, not really equal pay, and we actually get into some of that as well, but just pay equity um, in the WNBA, some of the issues they're facing. Um, we also talked about growing fans and whether or not college basketball fans and WNBA fans are one of the same or could be one of the same or should be one of the same. Um, so we jump into that a little bit, um, which if there was an interesting story that Gio tells about the Connecticut Sun fans booing former UConn Huskies, which... I didn't realize that took place, but uh, very, very cool stories from him and thoughts on the WNBA in general. Um, you know what I thought about when he said that? What? I thought about Diana Taurasi when she uh, played, when they, when the Phoenix Mercury played Connecticut just this past playoffs and how there were so many people that were still in the crowd cheering her and booing her at the same time. And when she hit the shot, uh, near the end, she kind of made this finger where she was mouthingly saying, like, this is still my house. Like, Connecticut is still my state. I still run this. And I no. thought about that when Gino, um, when Gino said that about people still boo Connecticut players. <laughs> I definitely said at the time, and I'm sure you remember this game because you're a huge Connecticut Sun fan. Sure am. <laughs> um, I remember the whole duel between Courtney Williams and mm -hmm. Diana Taurasi. And there was a point where, and I don't know what Taurasi did. And I tweeted this. You could probably go back and pull it. But I was like, she still owns the state is basically what she said. Right. Like, basically. Like she still owns the state. Um, but I love that Connecticut Sun fans are like, listen, we appreciate you, but this is our team, mm -hmm. which is a different and interesting mindset from what you may expect from a college fan base and how they treat players in the WNBA. Um, we also talked to Gino about his staff, had a staff change this year and wanted to get perspective for other college coaches on how he makes those decisions. So good stuff on that. And then, of course, we talked about this year's team um, where he shared with us the two players that he thinks are going to have to make the biggest changes or have the most growing to do in order for UConn to kind of reach the pinnacle of what they can be um, and get back to their national championship status. 
Speaking of players, LaChina, we also had a chance to hear from Katie Lou Samuelson. And I really enjoyed this conversation between you two. First of all, that girl is the embodiment of toughness. Okay. She injured her ankle the second game of the season. And I'm telling you, there is not enough tape and rap in the world. I had no idea. And I'm sure no one else probably had any idea either the way that she played last season with such a significant injury. So she gives us a little bit of insight with how that kind of derailed her off season and, you know, how she basically had to supplement not being able to play with USA basketball and, and, and other things. And so it was good to hear how she was able to prepare herself for this season without having the typical off season that I'm sure she would have liked. And she also gave us some insight on the legacy of basketball and the Samuelson family. That was pretty interesting to hear. But what I think was really great was the way that she explained the relationship Relationship that Chris Daly has with the players as well as what she means to the UConn Husky team. It was very interesting to hear. She talks a little bit about how detailed she is and she has a standard and her standard has been a part of the of the UConn tradition for many years. It has really helped them uh, along the way into becoming the championship caliber team that they have. And last but not least, she talks about Kobe, which is definitely dope because we know that Kobe Bryant is a huge UConn women's basketball fan. Uh, she gives us a, a little sneak peek of what it's like hanging out with Kobe, watching film with Kobe. You guys are going to love this interview. So, LaChina, I think that the fans are going to be ready for a good show with Gino and Katie. Ladies and gentlemen, um, we are excited to have the head coach of the Yukon Huskies with us, Gino Oriyama. Um, it's Halloween. Mm. It's October 31st. And I'm coming out of the gate with just a question that I can't wait to get your opinion on. Um, the WNBA is going to announce today if they are opting <clears throat> out of their CBA. There's been a lot of equal pay conversation happening. And, um, you know, this summer was a big one for the league in terms of just the way we saw players using their voice about right. um, some of the disparities. What are your thoughts on, on what's happening right now in the WNBA um, from a pay and equity standpoint? Well, I have a couple of thoughts on it that um, m- are more real world and realistic than aspirational or, you know, male, female and, anything having to do with, is it fair? So let me throw that out there first. So my, um, my thing was, um, when I started coaching at Connecticut, attendance at our games was free. Why? Cause that's all it warranted. And now it's like $25 a game, the highest in the country, higher than a lot of men's teams. But we had to get to that point by making revenue. And the reason I say that is there's a lot of issues, I think, that the WNBA faces when you talk to their players. And this idea of equal pay is not realistic. More pay than what they're getting? Absolutely. I mean, that's a no-brainer. That's something that they should fight for. That's something that uh, they uh, they have every right to say, wait a minute. I'm one of the top five players in the league and I get paid the same amount as somebody just because they've been in the league 10 years or whatever the case may be. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we keep the biggest stars? Now, you're going to say, well, we're going to pay them what they get paid over in Europe. That's not going to happen. 
Why? It's not the way they do business in America. Um, is that fair or unfair? You can argue that till, you know, eternity. Um, so what can the players do? I think they ought to demand that they get paid according to their talent level, that the best players get the most money. So whatever money's available, it's got to go to the best players on your team. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, they're going to have to make do with what's left, what's available. Number two, from an outsider looking in, I think their messaging has been really bad. So I think they have to sit down with the league and say, listen, we want to be partners in the marketing and promotions and selling our league instead of constantly saying we're deserving of your support. Why? Businesses don't deserve anybody's support. You have to earn it. Mm -hmm. So there's a way that they can do that, I think, by the partners being the players and the owners getting together and saying, and the league, where do we go to attract people of influence to invest in our league? And what can we give them in return for their investment? As opposed to, hey, invest in us because we're women and we deserve a chance. That Then that's a charity. Right. So you either have to be a charity or you have to be a business. So in order to be a business, you have to prove that we And realistically, a bunch of the teams in the league are doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, you go around and you see – the crowds at some of these games, you see the, the level of excitement in the, in the playoffs and they're doing so many great things. The level of play is better than it's ever been. You know, it, there's, they've got so many great things going for them in, in, in the WNBA. They're not doing a great job of letting the rest of the country know that. Mm. So they've got a partner with the league. They've got a partner with TV, ESPN being one. When I was doing the games on ESPN, Everybody in America knew every Friday night there's a game on Lifetime. Every Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon, whenever, there's a game on NBC. And every Wednesday, I think it was, we did, there's a game on ESPN. So there were three games a week, every week in the WNBA. Now, people have no idea when the games are on. They have to search for them. So there's got to be a better way to sell and promote the league to the to the fans and to the corporate sponsors saying this is what you will get back in return. As opposed to, we want 51% of the profits. Yeah. There are no profits. Well, and that's the part that I think, that's where the messaging, I think, has gotten mixed up. Number one, you know, I think they've had to clear up the fact that they're not really looking for equal pay. You know, exactly. they look at the, the NBA, and even though people are using this hashtag, they're like, okay, we understand that it's not going to be equal, right? Um, and then when it comes to percentage of revenue, there are teams that aren't making any money. Right. So where is the revenue? Right. You know, um, how do you do that when you're in the red? Like, right. There's nothing more to negotiate. Um, but you're absolutely right in terms of the marketing. And I think social media has allowed the players to control some of their own messaging and to get, you know, what they think should be marketing out there. We're seeing more shoe deals. Adidas is doing more on the WNBA side from a shoe contract standpoint. You know, Puma stepped up in some situations. Um, but the fan part is intriguing to me, coach. And one question I have for you, we keep hearing there needs to be more synergy between college fans and WNBA fans. Is that, is that realistic? I mean, the Yukons of the world have a player on almost every team, right? Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. If you say, okay, they're going to follow, you know, Stewie, obviously you had a fantastic year yeah. or they're still following Sue and that there are a lot of schools that, 
in a lot of great college basketball fans that don't have a, a, a anyone to cheer for. Right. But should they still be making that connection in the women's game and supporting it at both levels? Yeah. Um it, it's it's um it's a delicate um situation and and a not uh pleasant uh answer in that even at Connecticut when a former UConn player comes to play in Connecticut for the Connecticut Sun against the Connecticut Sun, people will show up and boo that player mercifully. No way! Unmer- because they are Connecticut Sun, Sun fans. fans. Oh. Yes, during the introductions, we love you. We remember your four years <laughs> at UConn. The game starts and one of them is complaining about a call. They get booed. Wow. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. One of the issues that has been uh, problematic for women's basketball fans in the NCAA tournament is women's basketball fans are fans of their team. They're not necessarily fans of basketball mm-hmm. and women's basketball in general. They're just not fans of basketball. They're fans of their team and their players. Now, some places it's better. In the in the pros. A college football fan is a football fan who will also watch NFL games. A college basketball fan, if there's an NCAA tournament in your town, and even if your team's not playing, you're going to go to that game. Mm -hmm. Sell the place out. So I think on the women's side to, to say, well, UConn fans should then become fans of the WNBA or... Uh, Texas fans should be the fans of San Antonio or, or Dallas, I should say. You know, that's, that's not there yet. Mm-hmm. That's not there yet. And I think the, 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 there's a crossover, a little bit of it, but I think you have to find new ground. And I think you have to create a whole new level of fans. And the Connecticut Sun has done that. The Seattle Storm has done that. Um, uh, who else is that? Las Vegas is probably going to be able to do that. Uh, you know, there's, there's Los Angeles certainly has done that. Minnesota has done that. So there's places where it's getting done where they're not depending on the college crowd. They're depending on the new fans that they've created. And uh, that's going to have to be part of the marketing. And to me, you know, how you sell something is almost as important than what your actual product is. Yeah. You know, like people say to me, uh, there was, I was an article I read years and years ago. It said, how much marketing? They asked the uh, CEOs of Apple, how much marketing did you do? They go, none. How, how much did you focus groups? And he goes, none. He goes, what do you mean none? None. They said, we made a product and then we told people, you have to have this. Mm-hmm. We didn't ask, would you like this product? First, we created the product and then said, you have to have this. And everybody went, you're right. So they have a great product in the WNBA. They're just not doing a very good job of telling everybody we have a great product. Yeah. You know, watch me work or listen. Those are not causes anymore. Yeah. Now it's about watch the, but when I, when I was doing the games in 1997, the first year, they promoted the league as watch the best players in the world play basketball. Yeah. And people went, damn. Yeah. Well, that's going away. Yeah. And that needs to come back. How good the players are. Yeah. The level of play. 
not, you know, hi, I'm Kyrie Irving. My favorite player is, who cares? <laughs> How long are you going to depend on the NBA to sell your product? Right. No. Oh, you have a great product. You don't need anybody. You know, you need to sell it. It's, on its merit, because it has a lot of merit. It's an outstanding product. Absolutely. I mean, it's outstanding. I was at the finals. It's It was an unbelievable atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. By two really, really good teams being played at a really high level. Yeah. Not enough people know about it. All right, women's basketball fans, we are at halftime of our interview with UConn Husky head coach Gino Ariema. But we wanted to come for just a moment, take a break, to say we appreciate you listening and your support of Around the Rim. And to keep up with our podcast, we are on Twitter, at Around the Rim Pod. You can email us any thoughts, comments, suggestions, questions you have, Podcast at gmail.com. And then please subscribe on the ESPN app so you can be one of the first to get our podcast. If you don't listen to the ESPN app, that's fine. Whatever your podcast platform is, you can find Around the Rim so that when a new Hot Fire episode drops, You'll be the first to know. And we've got some great content coming your way. So those are the deets. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, at LaChina Robinson. If you want to find Tarika or both of us, at Sports underscore. And that's it. So now more from Gino Ariema. Tarika's going to make me move on to a little bit of college basketball talk. But I want to take a different angle with you in that, you know, we have a lot of coaches that listen to our podcast. And, um, you know, Marissa has gone on and is going, mm-hmm. is coaching at is BU, what's going to yep. now. Yeah, at BU. Um, and so Jasmine has joined your staff. Yeah. And um, we see staff changes happen on, on, on various basketball, you know, organizations, NBA, WNBA, college. Sure. But. Just curious to your, what is your philosophy in terms of how you figure out, okay, you find out, okay, Marissa's leaving, going on, she's going to be a head coach. What you need at that moment, what kind of coaches you're looking for, what are the qualities, you know, how often are you looking at the landscape of what's happening? I know you've been very passionate, outspoken about the need for our coaches in the women's game to develop themselves, right. whether it's going to conferences or whatever, learning and understanding your team's identity and all that, all those different things. How do you develop a staff or how do you hire? What do you look for? Uh, you know, it, it varies. Um, and not that you've had to do it too often. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it varies in that uh, my very first, uh, hire was was Chris Daly, and that was more of a survival mode. I need somebody really, really smart, somebody really organized, somebody thorough, somebody that just really gets it. Um, that's really, really good at all the stuff I'm not good at, and that was easy. So that 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 was an easy one by necessity. Then as you go forward, it's. I want to keep a former player on my staff. Why? Because it's another voice. It's 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 another person that that can sell your program to who? To your current players. Hey, this is what he's talking about. This is what this means. To recruits. Hey, this is what happened with me when I to your fans. It's a connection between, you know, your former team and your present team. And um you 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 get so many benefits out of having a former player on your staff. So I always want that, and I always have had that. And then the next thing is, what is the makeup of those people that I just mentioned, me, Chris, and a former player? What are we missing? Mm -hmm. And it can't be, well, I want to hire a friend of mine. 
well, I want to hire a great recruiter. I want to hire a post players coach. To me, it's always been, who can I find that's a great communicator? Someone that I think could sit down and have a conversation and be effective with anybody in our world. Recruits, players, fans, administrators, you name it. That person can represent our program. People go, wow, this is what you guys are? Yes, this is what we are. So when, uh, let's say, when Tanya and Jamel left to go coach in the um, Cincinnati and Temple, it was like, okay, what do we got here? Well, we need a former player when Jamel left. Who's out there coaching? Who's doing what? Well, you know, Shea Rouse at Pittsburgh. Perfect. Bring Shea in. Um, you know, Tanya leaves to go coach at Temple. All right, what do we need? Hmm. Wow. Mm. What are we missing? Hmm. And then out of nowhere, my daughter and people go, now you should hire Marissa Mosley. That would be really, really good. I'm like, why? Who's that? Bah, bah, bah. She knows she worked at camp, you know, so you'd sit down and you go, wow, it's exactly what we need right now. Mm-hmm. So now Marissa's out of nowhere goes, I think I want the BU job because I went to school there, blah, blah, blah. So now we look around and see the, and I sat down and we said, you know, we're old. <laughs> we're, we're, you and I are getting old, older. And Shay's been around a long time. What do we need? We need somebody young, you know, that's, that's got a different vibe. It's got a different outlook. We'll say the same things, but in a different way, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, Jazz was here for two years. How'd she do? She was great at Washington. She was great at DePaul. Boom, easy. Mm. So for me, it's always, what do we need? Who do we know has those things? And then let's go get them. Yeah. As opposed to somebody calling me and saying, listen, you've never met this person before. You don't know them, but I think they'd be great. I don't usually operate that way. Yeah. And I think that's good for our audience to hear because one thing that, I I mean, I get calls after the season all the time like, oh, we're looking for a post coach or we're looking for a recruiter and those things. And it's like I'm always interested in, even though you haven't had a ton of openings, you know, like how you go about formulating your staff. Um, I I have to ask you one more question quickly because Tariq is going to make me wrap. But um, this year's team, when I asked when I asked Lou, you know, how things are going. Yeah, what'd she say? She gave me like this death stare and said, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And it was clear in her mind with an understanding of what the expectation is at Connecticut that this team has growing to do. Right. From your seat, what are those areas and who are the key pieces that are going to have to make the biggest jump for this team to be what it can be? It's funny that Lou would say that not not. Uh, not surprising, but it's 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 funny in the sense that uh, the two people that have to grow the most uh, are Lou and Fisa, because um, we had a conversation Friday. They've been the recipients of other people leading the charge, and Lou and Fisa kind of like, hey, you know, we're going to do our thing and see how our thing fits in with. You know, the big thing. And then next thing you know, woohoo, you know, here we are. Now they look around. And I said, by the way, have you guys looked around lately? Uh, do you know if you two don't make some changes and become all those other guys that were here before you, nobody else is going to do it. See, like, 
Are you expecting our freshmen to do it? I don't think Stewie ever came to practice and went, you know, I can take today off because Lou will do it. No. They didn't even know who you guys were when you were freshmen. (laughs) Now you guys are seniors. You have to make the biggest jump. And you know what? They have. And then Crystal is learning every day how to be a leader of people. I think young players, quarterbacks, point guards, whatever the case may be, they want to lead, but they don't know how. Mm -hmm. So they don't know what to say. So first you have to teach them what to say. Then they don't know how to, how to say it. You have to teach them how to say it. They don't, then they don't know how to follow up what they said. So you have to teach them that. And her growth has been unbelievable on the court. Those three, I'm not worried about. Everybody else, what Lou was referring to with the deaths there, we got a lot of question marks. Mm. How are they going to be answered? That's what the season, that's what November, December, January are going to be all about. And it's going to take us a while to get there. And people said, well, you're preseason number two in the country in the AP. I said, you know what? That's purely on reputation, Mm. which it's not bad to a point. I was going to say, you've got a great one. Yeah. Coach Oriama, we always enjoy talking to you. Thank, Thank you. you for stopping by and good luck this season. You got it. I'm sure we'll see you a lot. I hope you do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. West Coast in the building, <laughs> first and foremost, um, join me in welcoming none other than Lou, Katie Lou Samuelson. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I love it when the fans say that. Can yes. I just, you know, they've kind of put a different spin on like, boo. You know, like you think yeah. about when you hear that sound, but it's actually that, um, it's that intimidating yeah. when the crowd says that. Yeah, it's funny actually. Um, I'll actually get messages from like people saying like, why are, why are your own fans booing you? I'm like, they're not. No, it's they're just not. Great. And it's so, distinct like it sounds like booze but like you just know when you know, it's the <laughs> yeah you know when it's the loo um so what have you been up to i know that um you missed spring and summer um with an injury it kind of caught me off guard i was like wait a minute what happened what what did happen and how are you feeling now um so actually the second game of the year against cal um i hurt my ankle and i actually ended up tearing uh, most of the ligaments in there and yeah after season i had to have reconstruction four screws in my foot now um <laughs> had to kind of really get in there and fix everything up but but yeah we just wrapped it up every game <laughs> second game of the season and you played the way you played the rest mm-hmm. of the year with a significant injury like that yeah <laughs> i am even more impressed with your toughness that <laughs> is just crazy so what how hard was it for you to be out? And I mean, I'm I'm watching like USA basketball. I'm mm-hmm. watching like Nafis is working out on the West Coast, having a yeah. great. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow. I know. I'm, I'm sure Katie Lou wish she was experiencing USA basketball and all these other things. So, mm-hmm. how did you stay sane being out? Um, it was hard. You know, I've never been out for more than um, my freshman year. I broke my foot, but that's like four weeks and six weeks, and so. Um, the hardest part was kind of accepting how long it was going to be out because in my head I was like, well, I played the season. Like I finished yeah. the whole season on it. So I can't be that bad. Can't be out for <laughs> right. six months. What you're telling me? Six months? Like that's, that was the craziest part. Just finally getting over and accepting that, okay, this is going to take a while. But, you know, this is something that I had to take care of. And I have kind of, that was like my kind of last opportunity to do it before, you know, after this year, I go hopefully straight into playing pro. So, 
I didn't have any time to do it then, so it was now or never. Mm -hmm. What did you do? Did you develop any new habits or new things that you started doing Um, for fun? Or I mean, I definitely read more. Um, I didn't, you know, I just tried to stay sane by hanging out with people and stuff like that. But you know, May I was actually the only one on campus. I stayed to rehab and stuff like that. So that was a tough month, just being on campus by myself trying to figure out what to do every day. Yeah. Um, but I was taking a class, luckily, so at least I had that to kind of keep me insane. <laughs> right. So the Samuelson family has, you guys have this legacy, you know, uh, mm-hmm. of uh, tremendous girls and women's basketball. How far back in your family does the game of basketball go? Um, Just my parents. Um, I know my dad and his brothers all played um, in high school and growing up, and um, he and his other brother both played in, in college, and my mom played netball in England, and so she, not necessarily basketball, but she kind of played herself, and so, you know, from when, whenever we start first started doing sports, they let us do every, all sports, you know, when you're little, and then we kind of all just naturally stuck to basketball, I think. You know, once Bonnie started playing, I wanted to be just like Bonnie and Carly. So I just followed suit and just did it every day. (laughs) And what was that like competitively in the house? Like, did you guys play against each other? Were you very supportive of each other? Because I know like me and my sisters, whatever we were all doing that was the same, we were trying to rip each other's hair out. Like it was like, (laughs) I'm going to get more bathroom time than you. Um, I'm going to have more makeup than you. Like Mm -hmm. and whatever the competition was, like it was competition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we definitely you know, had our fair share of competitions. But when we were younger, I was way smaller, slower, like Bonnie's four years older. Right, <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. you know, we'd be in the backyard, we'd play this kind of game and um, kind of like one-on-one, but not one-on-one fully because that's not fair. She's right. way yeah. bigger than me. <laughs> but um, probably helped you though, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it was like they never took it easy on me when I was younger. So then by the time I got bigger, it was like I got to get back at them whenever I could. So it was kind of this ongoing, like, always competitive with each other. And then it kind of changed to just me and Carly. You know, Bonnie was the oldest. She had other stuff to do. So Carly and I were together. You know, once Bonnie got into high school, Carly and I were going to shoot every day together. So we'd always play one-on-one, always end in a fight. My dad, we never (laughs) weren't allowed to keep score because we knew we'd get into a fight. And he would have to, like, he'd have to tell us we're done. We're going home yeah. every single time. Every time. Every time. I don't think we finished a game one-on-one. I love that. And your dad's a writer. I mean, I, it's been well documented. But your family, the way they travel and how they have supported you guys, mm-hmm. you know, from Stanford to Connecticut to, you know, whatever, WNBA, whatever, mm-hmm. um, is really impressive to watch. So I know people probably ask you about Gino a lot. But I don't want to talk about Gino. I want to talk about CD. Okay, because I've had some very intriguing conversations of, uh, about um, about Chris. Here's what I get. Here's what I get more often than not. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to some Utah, UConn players, and they're like, "She is the person that you absolutely love, but that annoys you, right? Yes. Because of her. You look, you look, you're shaking the head because <laughs> of how detailed she is, and all the. You tell me a little bit about that. How? What does she? do for this program um on both sides of that that make you better but also annoy you um yeah. that we don't get to see yeah you know she's she's your biggest supporter and she's the first one that will kind of tell you what you need to hear which is annoying too but like you appreciate what she does for you and um just the you know she just has this way of of getting on you and it just gets under your skin and you just want to tell her like cd chill out like, <laughs> we get it but she does it because 
you know, it needs to be perfect. And in her eyes, it's something that's really important and it's something that is important to the program. And so, you know, as a player, you have to follow the rules. You have to figure out what you're trying to do. But um, the thing is with her is she's trying to prepare you and so that you put your best foot and face forward for everything you do. She yes. wants you to be presentable. She always tells us, you know, you have one first impression, stuff like that, that you don't necessarily think about all the time. She's making sure we know how to dress business casual for in- interviews. We know what's appropriate, what's not, because, you know, we never realized how important that was until we go to things with, um, you know, we had a, a a thing at our school with ESPN and women, and it was just a big, like, a conference. Yeah. And we also, and some of the stuff people were, I'm like, wow, thank goodness, CD <laughs> told us how to dress because some of the stuff I would never... Yeah, but people don't know, and you never know. And so, her teaching us this now and at a younger age is is really helpful for all of us. And you appreciate it as it goes on. At first, you're like, "Why do why do I have to wear tights and skirts to a game right well, now? Like, yeah. I got to wear dress <laughs> pants." But it all makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's the part that people don't see about um, CD is that the way you guys show up in the world. Because even when you go on to the WNBA, we mm-hmm. see, you know, the Swin Cashes of the world or the Brianna Stewart, the Sue Birds, all of that. Like they function so well and show up so polished in, mm-hmm. in the world. And a lot of that is what you guys learned at yeah. Connecticut. Like she's not just teaching you guys how to play the game, mm-hmm. but also how you show up and you use the word perfection. And that's the one thing I always see when I'm able to go to UConn practices is that she believes that there is nothing wrong with perfect. Some people yeah. will say Oh, you'll never get to perfect. You know what I mean? But that's the bar for her, right? She's always like, nope, your toe needs to be right there. We got, (laughs) when we started, we start every practice running two laps around the gym and we got, got, can't cut a corner, cut a corner. It'll drive her insane. And it's stuff like that, that it just shows how high of standards she has. It might not seem like the most important thing, but that transitions into what we do in practice later. That transitions to us cheating on a drill, cheating to play. You know, everything kind of connects. So she makes sure everything is exactly the way it needs to be at any time. Yeah. You guys have had some heartbreaking moments the last couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know when I played, it was like you were always happy you get another shot. You're like, yes. Now you don't have Gabby. You know, the, cha- the team has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but... What, in your opinion, about this team, because every team is different, um, could allow you to go out on top with with a national championship? Um, I think, you know, for us, the biggest thing is we have a lot of things we need to work on now. And we have a lot of things we have to figure out with personnel, people, um, what people are going to do for us. You know, it's pretty consistent that, you know, Nafisa, Crystal, and I have played in big moments other than that, no one else has really had an opportunity to play in a game that's close. You know, yeah. um, we have freshmen that haven't even played a college game at all, and they're going to ex- be expected to be in these big roles. And um, so trying to figure out how, you know, and what everyone is going to bring each day is our biggest concern. And um, especially for this team, I know everyone always says, you know, we don't look ahead. We don't look ahead. We can't look ahead with this team right now because we have to win today in practice. And we got to make sure we get something done that's positive for the team, you know, Last year and the year before, we could have gone through, you know, had a bad practice, and it didn't necessarily mean that we lost that much. Mm -hmm. This year, we kind of need each day to get something accomplished in order to make us feel comfortable for the season. You know, we play on Sunday, our first exhibition game, and um, I'm pretty excited to see how it goes. People are in 
you know, big roles. Megan's going to have a big role this year. So I'm excited to see how she takes that. I am as well. I'm definitely looking forward to how she kind of comes along because mm-hmm. we felt those moments last year yes. when you're like, okay, she could have a big breakout, but mm-hmm. now it's going to be the expectation. Last question. Cause coach Oriema is like staring at me outside the glass. <laughs> um, one thing that you have taken away from your interactions with Kobe. Um, I know, you know, he has taken a liking to Yukon and his mm-hmm. daughter is your biggest fan. Mm-hmm. And so you've gotten to be in spaces with him. Um, is there anything he's, he's said that has stood out to you or, or from your interactions with him? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is clearly, you know, he has that show called detail. Yeah. He, sees every detail and not even like cd details he's i watched film with him and he's stopping the game every five seconds and looking how did what did that person just say on the bench over there like what how did you even see that over there he's watching timeouts you know you might think oh i only need to watch film no you need to see how everyone reacts to every play if i hit a shot how my defender reacts is then that's going to be how i play the next play next possession how i react when someone else does something on me because then that shows them everything he said is so when you look at it you're like wow that really does it makes sense and it's something you should be paying attention to but the way he approaches it is just a whole different level yeah well i know he's made you better though right yeah this film session right yeah film sessions with kobe (laughs) um that is lou ladies and gentlemen good luck this season thank you always good to see you thanks we want to thank Gino Oriema for taking the time to come on our show and sharing his thoughts. Um, I just think it's so important. Um, a man that is, is accomplished as much, arguably the greatest coach in the history of, of college basketball, um, to have his thoughts on various topics. And so we just thank him for, you know, I interact with a lot of coaches all year long. And I'll say this, Gino is willing to talk to me about anything. He's never said, Hey, you can't come to our practice. He's always willing to share. He wants to grow the game. Um, so I just appreciate that about him. And that, that's a form of giving back to the game because not everyone does that. Not everyone's willing to give us that level of access to teach. Um, you know, should it be that way? No, I think everyone should share and teach. But Gino Ariema, whether you like him or not, um, he's always trying to grow the game. And I appreciate that about him. Yeah, we also want to thank Katie Lou Samuelson for coming by and spending some time with us and around the room. Um, it was just good to hear from her and to see what, you know, she did this off season and what she's looking forward to doing and teammates that she's looking forward to playing with. Um, as they continue on in their year right now, the Yukon Huskies are sitting at five and zero. Katie Lou actually just coming off of a big game against the Purdue Boilermakers where she's tied her season high at 22 points and uh, they'll be playing DePaul on Wednesday at 7 o'clock, but I think everybody is really looking forward to their matchup against Notre Dame, number one Notre Dame, um, coming up this Sunday on ESPN at 4 o'clock. And I think that's the matchup that, considering the shot heard around the world um, from Arike Ongumawale last year, I believe that is the matchup that so many people um, all over are going to be anticipating seeing. So uh, we will definitely be tuned in for that. I think that's all I had. Yeah, that might be it. It was a great show. I mean, there really isn't isn't much to add. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, we'll see you next time on Around the Rim. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you're checking ESPN Women's Basketball site for all the upcoming games. There's some good ones happening in the non-conference um, great writing from Michelle Vopel and Graham Hayes and all that to set up the season. So, uh, yeah, follow along. 
thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.